Hello and welcome, everybody. My name is Rabbi Yosef Tropper, and a very good friend of mine, Rav Shmuel Luger, who's an amazing person and someone that I'll hopefully have more of a chance to talk about, asked me to give a shear on Vilnigon Gra on Mishle. And it's really an honor and a privilege. As a psychologist, I love analyzing and understanding people. And one of the most powerful sources that we could find to understand the world, the most powerful places to, to find to understand the world, is the Torah itself. And of course, we need Chazal to guide us as to how to understand it. And the Vilna Gaon's Purish on Mishle is a brilliant commentary written by his Talmud, Rabbi Nachman Mendel Sakhalov, who will comment about a little bit. I'm going to give a little intro about the Gra, etc., etc., um, as we do this. Um, but it's really a phenomenal arsenal of some of the deepest psychological points from the Chacham Mikolodim, and you have Shlomo Melech's wisdom of Mishle, and then it's extrapolated by the Vilna Gaon based on Chazal. So there's just so much depth here. So I'm going to go through a couple of quick intros, and then I'll tell you exactly what I hope to do. First and foremost, though, if you have any questions, please email me at yosefetropper at gmail.com, Y-O-S-E-F-T-R-O-P-P-E-R at gmail, and I will try to address questions at every future shear at the beginning, or you could text or WhatsApp me at 443-929-1801. I really want this to be interactive, and I want to learn Mishle with you. Now, it's it's a pretty uh, pretty bold endeavor because the every single Pusik could take weeks to explain just by reading through the Grez Pirish, but I'm going to try to Simplified as much as I can. And again, I'm not going to understand everything that he says because he's the Vilna Gon, but definitely will get a decent amount. Rabbi Nachman of Sukhalov is one that wrote this. He writes in his introduction that when he wrote over his Rebbe's Torah to Mishlei, that the Vilna Gon told him to publish this first because it's full of Yerushalayim. And Reish Hashem Yerushalayim, that's the first and foremost. And Rabbi Nachman of Sukhalov, who made Aliyah based on the uh, encouragement of the Grah, so he says that he learned under the Vilna Gon for two years minus a third. So minus four months. <clears throat> and he learned a tremendous amount with him. Um, and we will, Bezer Hashem, start. We're not going to start the first passage of Mishle Shlomo Ben David, Malik Yisrael, because that one has an extremely large amount of extrapolation by the Grah. But let's get to understand who we're dealing with um, and what we're talking about and just some of the awe that we need to approach this project with. So thank you so much for joining. Uh, if we say the word genius, tell me about a genius. Um, certainly any Jewish person, you're going to think of one of two people. You're either going to say Einstein, who was like the quintessential Jewish genius, so to speak, who, you know, wasn't religious. Supposedly, according to stories, he was respectful to religion. Um, and and you're going to think of the Vilna Gon. The Vilna Gon, you know, the, the Jewish brilliant mind. But not just the brilliant mind, the brilliant Torah and the brilliant understanding of life and the brilliant understanding and the ability to be maven dover me dover and to bring out so many beautiful things in Torah. And so one of the reasons that I love learning the Torah of the Vilna Gon is because when you learn him, you feel like you're smart. And more than that, he brings out the beauty and the depth of, of Torah. And one of the things that Ramanacha Mendel is very famous for quoting, uh, his, his, one of his you know, famous Talmudim, probably the most famous Talmud was um, Rav Chaim Velazhin, but one of the most one of the most famous Talmudim was Ramanacha Mendel of Sakhalo, who created the Yishuv in Eretz Yisrael and wrote many others for him from the Gra. So he always says that the Vilna Gon told him that he never said a, a pshat in pshat, he never said an explanation in anything unless it was mechuvan and congruent in every single aspect of, of uh, Kabbalah and, and Sod as well, which is a very, very brilliant thing to say. Um, the Rav Huttner Zatzal, Ritzel Huttner, he describes the Mahalik of the Maral, who was a little bit before the Vilnagon, so he describes it as a man who, who clouds Pashib Shat in a way, who, who presents Pashib Shat in such a clear way that you don't even realize that he's hiding behind it all of a Sod. 
And I think the same can be said about the Vilnagon as well. There's tremendous, behind, tremendous, tremendous depth behind there. So it says in the Torah, it says, Chazal tells us that the first thing we teach a, a, a child when he starts to talk is, Torah Tziv Alon Moshe Marasha Kilos Yaakov. It's a Gemara at the end of Sukkah. So it always bothered me. Why is that so important? Like, what about Shema? That's the next Pasuk. What about that? So, okay, Torah Tziv has a lot of things. First of all, it has it has the concept of Tziv Moshe, that there's a Masorah, and that's a very important thing of, of Torah, that we want to start off Torah with. Beautiful. There's another part of Tziva that we have a command. Hashem gave us a command. We don't like it. That's why Galam Mitzvah and Mishan Mitzvah because Hashem commanded us to do it. So it's hard, but that's that's what it is. But I was thinking another thing. And because I'll really say this, it's not my understanding, but why is this the first thing we teach a child? Yeah, beautiful lesson, Sivalanu Moshe about Masorah. And Sivalanu, but Hashem commanded us. I mean, we don't have a choice. You have to do it, right? Which is al-karachatanola, al-karachatamais, etc. Right? But there's something very beautiful that I was thinking about over this past Shavuos, and I want to share it with you, and I think it's relevant here as well. So imagine if you get a phone call from a lawyer or an email that says, you know, hey, you don't know this, but your great-grandfather actually owned a palace in Zimbabwe and tons and tons of you know, area there. So the first thing you would do, and I would do, is know that it's spam and just delete it and put it in the spam box. I get that. But let's say actually you're contacted and it's legit. It's a real thing. Like your great-grandfather actually passed through there on his way to America or whatever, Israel, wherever he's living. And he actually genuinely, honestly owns a billion dollars worth of land there. Okay. If I were you and you were I, (laughs) I know I would be on the next plane there I would be getting all the lawyers I can. I'd be figuring out a way that I'm going to claim what I'm already owed and what's really mine. Okay? And that's the passion that I would have towards it because, hey, I didn't know. I didn't know about this, but it's rightfully mine. That's how every single one of us have to look at the Torah. Al-Tikri Morasha, Morasa, where the Torah is a marriage. We're married to it. And it's Morasha. It's our inheritance. And when you see, okay, look at this Gemara, Brachas. I, I didn't learn that. You have to have an attitude of, I'm going to claim that. It's mine. This isn't spam. It's really mine. My grandfather got it. Avram, Mitzvah, and Yaakov, the, the, the Avos, and, and Kal Yisrael, they stood at Har Sinai, and they went through all the trials and tribulations of life. They got the Torah. It's mine. It's, it, it belongs to my family. And that's when we pursue it like that, when we pursue Torah with that passion and that desire that what's mine and what, what I deserve, what's, what's part of the, the family heirloom, I need to go after it and protect it. Then we're going to have much, much deeper understanding of it. And that's the first thing that we want to instill in a child. That Torah, Tziva, Lanu, Moshe. Yeah, the Masorah. And it's a Tziva. Yeah, that's all good. But Morash, Akilas, Yaakov. This is your inheritance. Your grandfather owned a billion dollar, a trillion dollar, an infinitely priceless object. And you have claims to it. And that's awesome. And when we learn the Grah, we literally see the brilliance of that great legacy that the Torah is what Hashem gave us, and that great Morasha, that great treasure that we have. And that's that's what we're looking for. And the Vilna going to me brings that out, and that's that's what I want. I hope to ca- capture. Two more quick preambles, and then an introduction to the Vilna Gon and his life and works and my understanding of it. So there's many, many ha'aras about psychology, and I'm not going to go on to tangents about it, but when we learn through the Gro and Mishle, we're going to understand how the Vilna Gon took the Psukim and took Chazal and took practical lessons about life, and it's going to enhance us, and it's going to make us better people. The danger is, like the Chassam Sofer's famous line, which was, please, by all means, you could say over my Torah in your name as if you're plagiarizing and as if it's yours, but don't you dare ever say your Torah in my name. Don't say 
that I heard this from the Chassam Sofer and you're misquoting. So all the things here, I, I encourage you to look inside and learn from a Rebbe what the Vilna Gon is saying. But I'm going to just give you my interpretation. Maybe it's my Torah, and I don't have the audacity to say it's the Vilna Gon. I, Lanias Daiti, I think this is what the Gon might be saying. That's how I'm always presenting everything. And I might not say that. I might say Zak the Gon, what the Gon says. But that's just because I forgot. But what I really mean the whole time is this is how I understand what he's saying. And by all means, if I'm wrong, or I'm, I, 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 the Mechilas Kavod, the Grub, but like the like the Chayadim, whose son uh, was married to the granddaughter of the Grown, I believe. Um, do I quote that in the introduction here? I'm not sure. Maybe we'll get to it in a minute. Um, so, like he said, when people gave him a hard time for arguing with the Grub, that causes the Grub a great distress in Shemayim, because when he quotes the Grah and then argues, or you know, he often agrees with them, but when he quotes them and fights with them in learning, that creates a big zechus for the Grah, that is Neshama, uh, is mentioned down here, and Sivsosov Dovus Bekever. So same thing with, as we learn the Grah, this should be the greatest zechus that we, that we get to understand him better. All right, so I'm going to give you a quick introduction about the Grah, and I hope that you'll find this fascinating, and with this background, I hope you'll appreciate more of what we're going to do. He's perhaps one of the most illustrious names in all of Torah Jewry in the past 300 years. The reverence and respect and awe and humility that the Vilna Gon brings. His name was Rev. Elio Kramer. He was a son of Rev. Shlomo Zalman. And Trena was his mother's name, a very famous name. Many people from the family of the Grah. I met a few people like this. I had one student whose mother was a direct descendant from Trena's family, and her name was Trena. Um, and that was the Vilna Gon's parents, Shlomo Zalman and Trena. He was a genius of Vilna. That's literally what it means. There's no better way to describe him as that. All right, so let's talk about his background. He was born in 1720. And he passed away in 1797. He was a scholar of the highest note when it came to all areas of Torah and secular knowledge. Bavli, Yerushalmi, Sifri, Sifra, Halacha, Kabbalah, science, astronomy, math, math, medicine, everything. And he was a staunch Bisnagate, which maybe we'll mention that, maybe we won't uh, as we go through it. We'll see. He's considered the father of modern-day yeshivas because of his great student, Rechaim Vlezhen, who started Vlezhen Yeshivas, Vlezhen Yeshiva in the 1800s. And it was through the Grah's guidance. Remember the famous story? The Grah originally told him not to open it because he was too excited. And then when he came back later, he said, now you're ready. He lived in Vilnius, which is Vilna in Russia. And he spent most of his 77 years there. Of course, he tried to make Aliyah there to but that didn't work. And that's where he's even buried. And today, Vilna is part of present-day Lithuania. But at uh, that time, it was Russian. So maybe he didn't know the Vilna Gon was Russian, just like Ramosha Feinstein. He was a child prodigy. By all accounts, the Pnei Moshe or Moshe Margolius was his, who's a famous commentator on the Rishami, was his Rebbe. He was his hired Malamed for his younger years, and according to one legend, um, one day he, when apparently the girl was about six or seven, he brought him back to his father and said, "Take your boy Elio. Um, I can no longer teach your son anything else. I've taught him everything I know, and he knows it." So the girl's father was also his, his Rebbe, and passed down the Masora. He was famous throughout Europe and beyond. By the time he was twenty, his fame had spread throughout all of Europe. Um, it's Yadua that he was involved with the Ravionis and Ipschitz controversy, where, they, where Ravionis and Ipschitz was accused of being a Sabbatean. And even when the when when the Gra signed against him, there, even even the Ravionis and Ipschitz, who put you know argues with many people, the Yavits and other people, uh, when he talks about the Gra, he just says that he was lied to and he didn't get the right information. But he doesn't he doesn't put him down, even though the Gra was a young man at the time. Anyway, not for now. His comments were very, very pertinent and very succinct. The Mishabur quotes him all the time, Malacha. It was commentary mostly on Shulchan Aruch, obviously. Um, although Rechaim Vlashen carried a legacy of his Rebbe, which was to be Misnagid, the fight against Hasidus, um, which was spreading like wildfire, in his opinion, um, 
Rav Chaim's son, Rav Itzla of Lajan, actually did make peace with Hasidus, and many people say that that balance was what kept it in check, etc. Again, beyond the scope of this conversation, but the Grah had certain issues with Hasidus, and there's a famous story about the Balatanya trying to visit him and make peace. I'm not going to go into that, because this is something that Shavu L'chol Nefesh. Okay. Um, it's said that by the age of four, he had memorized the entire Tanakh. Remember, he didn't grow up with the TV and internet, so that was a lot easier back then. And he seemed to have a photographic and brilliant memory. He was well-versed in science and astronomy. He even wrote a math book. Supposedly, he wrote the Kramer Law. I actually saw this math book in a in a um, Otzer, um in Kirat Sefer, and it's all um, geometry. That's what it is. It's all logic, which is amazing, and it's very well written. Um, he was not afraid of you know studying science and understanding it. And Chazanish followed his shita that also studying science was was a way of understanding Torah better. Um, and he spent much of his time learning. And um, the Vilnagon said that everything Chazal say is all derived from the Pesukim themselves. And Reb Baruch Epstein, the author of the Torah Tumimah, the son of the Archa Shulchan, um, who's whose safer Torah Tzmima, is meant to bridge Torah Shavu Torah Shavu So he talks about how the last years of his life, um, he would learn just Chumash and explaining how all the concepts filled, uh, you know, hinted to Mamari Chazal. That's the Groh's approach, and that's why the Torah Tzmima says that he did what he did. Um, very famously, he refused to accept the, any position of a Rav. However, Rav Shach, in the Rashiva remembers, page 31, he said that he saw with his own eyes something amazing in Vilna community records. Uh, when he traveled through. There it records that Vilnagon himself founded a Mishnah society, a Shah society, an Ein Yaakov society for laymen. It's amazing. And it says in this Pinkus, which is a phenomenal story, that the Gon himself delivered the first year for each one. So that he was involved with the community, even though he chose not to have a position. He defended Ragonis and Ibschitz in that famous controversy between him and um, between the two. Um, and he eventually signed a document among them and Rionis and Abshitz, who was with the Gdolia Dar in 65 at the time, had requested the Grah, who was 35 in, in 1755, to express his opinion in his defense. And, and again, even when Yaakov Emden, who blasphemized everybody back who went against him, you always remember Yaakov Emden lived from 1697 through 1776. He died in the year of the foundation of the, uh, of the uh, American... He lived in the same time as George Washington, if you want to put it in that perspective. These people, the George Washington could have met the Villanagone, if you want to think back. It makes it a little bit more reachable. Like, oh, wow. You know, but, Lahav deal. Um, the Grah taught Torah to Talmidim, not to throngs of people. He was interested in teaching Torah who were fit to, people that were fit to learn, and he was not looking to teach to a large group. He focused on select Talmidim who were great people, and there's lots and lots of biographies that I've used um, to, to get this information, and, and the Grah is someone that they've written a lot about. It's interesting, the Chazanish has also written a lot about and the, there's a lot of correlations between the two of them. The Chazanish, or Chaim Kanevsky, held was the, was the Vilna Gon of Eretz Yisrael, and he brought Minhagi Agra to Eretz Yisrael, which is very, very phenomenal, and lived in Vilna for a long time of his life as well. Most of the Torah, the Gra we have now is because of his Talmidim. Um, Rav Chaim Velazhin, 1749 to 1821. Again, if you want to go um, through American history, what that overlaps with, it's, it's fascinating to think about what these people were living through. His most famous Talmud, um, was there. Rav Chaim met the girl when he was a young boy and complained that I studied Moed 24 times and I still can't remember the Mishnayas at all. I think it was like, actually, I think he was talking about Gemara. Vilnagon looked at him incredulously and said, you only reviewed it 24 times, you expect to remember it? <laughs> you have to constantly go over it over and over again. That's the way of Torah, until it sinks in. Another Talmud, Rav Mendel of Sokolov, who was, as I said, mentioned here because he wrote a lot of Svarim, he put out the Gra on Mishle and other works. The Gra himself told him to put out the work 
Yurtzegai is a Chaver. 1789 to 1852 was a famous Kabbalist who put out stuff. He's actually printed in the back of the Vilna Shas. Again, Vilna, the, the great city. Um, the Groz children themselves testify that he fulfilled the mission of us of not going after any honor or wealth or food indulgences. Kachi, Darkish, Torah, That's what he followed. They literally described the two, the two hours of sleep that he took in, in 30 minute increments each. And he ate minuscule amounts of bread and drops of water. And like Ravashir Zelig, Rubenstein's Atzal Ma'arabi used to always say about him, that they studied him and they saw, the doctors, they saw he was full. He was satiated from Torah. His precious was astounding. Um, Gon lived a life of Simcha, and he was a happy and healthy person. He was not emaciated, he was healthy and full. That's Kihem Chayin Himenu. His influence was extremely large. There's no way to describe the greatness and brilliance that, that, that he possessed. The Chazanish described him almost on the level of the Rishonim. Chazanish had tremendous reverence for him. Vilnagon himself had tremendous reverence for Ramosha Chaim Lazado, the Ramchal, the famous author of Mesil Sasharim, and even said about it that there are only three people who understand the Kitzvah Arizal properly, besides Arizal himself, obviously. And there's Rechaim Vital, the author of Kitzvah Ari, and Ramosha Chaim Lazado, the Ramchal, and Vilnagon himself. A really fascinating concept to think about, by the way. And by the way, he even writes in that, just Agav, interesting, that he wasn't sure if Rechaim Vital himself understood what he was even writing from his Rebbe. To, to the fullest level, but because he sees that he covered it up well, but he did understand it. But then he found in a few places, I have no idea what he's talking about, that he um, that he he saw that he actually did understand it, which is a fascinating thing. Um, the Grah tried to make a trip to Eretz Yisrael. That's why he wrote the famous Higaris Agra to his wife, instructing her, because he was going to go there first and then send for her. Um, and he did not get past Germany. From there, in Konigsberg, Germany, he sent his famous Higaris Agra to his wife. Ola Matrufa was a Musser tree site that he left for his family on his trip and it was published in 1836 by his Talmidim. It was a very difficult journey he had to return to Vilna. Eventually, the Talmidim did realize the dream of going to Eretz Yisrael. Like I mentioned, there's even an adage, uh, they even adapted his customs. Talmidim had grown with from the, actually the original settlers, settlers in Eretz Yisrael uh, in the 1800s. Between 1808 and 1812, a highly tumultuous time in the world, about 500 people left um, headed by the Talmidim Agra, and they made Aliyah and started what was called the Prushim. And they separated themselves from Olam Hazza. That's why they're called Prushim. They became the foundations of the resettlement of Eretz Yisrael. Most of them went to Tzfat originally, because the Muslim authorities that were living in Jerusalem at the time did not want Ashkenazic Jews to settle there because they couldn't control them. They were faced with many calamities there. There were plagues, earthquakes, death, poverty, unrest. Many of them eventually made their way to Yerushalayim, though. And many Svarnam had been there for about 100 years before. And now the Ashkenaz community began to grow tremendously. There was a significant resurgence of dedicated interest in the building of its Torah, both in Nigla and Nister. Ramosha Meiselman, the brilliant Rosh Shiva and historian, once shared something very fascinating, which I heard from other people, but the way he brings it down is very fascinating. Throughout the history of the Jewish people, there's always been certain unique individuals who come at a time of crisis and transition and whose influence is just paramount and everlasting and shapes the Jewish nation. For example, when the yeshivas and bubbles started to wane, the central of Jewish life moved to Europe, and it was Rashi who spearheaded the force that united Torah scholars and uniting Torah scholarship to focus on his commentary of Shas and Chumash. Um, which were really brought together France and Germany. His ideas became the foundations of how we Paskin, often following the halachas decided by Rashi. In Spain, the mantle was assumed by the Rif, the famous Ravitzak Alfasi, and he gathered together all the halachas throughout Shas. Another person in the transition period was Yosef Karo, who brought together with Shulchan Aruch that basically established a normative halacha of all Jewish law. The mid-18th century was a very tumultuous time. There were massacres going around. America was in upheaval. There were Shabbat Tzvi and other false messianic people in the Jewish nation who were stepping up. And in comes the Grah. The Vilna Gon was a transition man who united the nation and who helped establish Torah scholarship, Torah law, and the Adventist yeshivas as we know them today. 
That's what I heard from Ray Mazelon, which I think is a brilliant comment. I think Ramosha Feinstein did something similar. But anyway, let's talk about some family history, the Gruz genealogy. He was born the, fifth, the first day of Pesach, 15 Nisan, just like the Maral, by the way. And he died on the fourth day of Sukkot. And he was born into a very distinguished family. On his mother's side, he was a descendant of Moshe Rivkas, the author of the Baragola, a very famous commentary on the Shulchan Aruch. And his father's side, he was from Moshe Kramer, that's his name, who was also a very famous Rav in Vilna. He was named for his paternal great-grandfather, Elioa Chassid, who was also known for his piety and greatness. So you see, be careful who you name someone after. His life was a phenomenal life, a tremendous asmada in learning, understanding the depths of Torah and the depths of Ashkafa, the depths of what Hashem wants from us, and a tremendous service of Hashem with unrelenting dedication. Because of the pivotal, pivotal role of the Grah, he has been studied in both Jewish and secular venues. And we actually know a lot about his family. So just to mention a couple of things that I found interesting. Let's talk about his parents. The Grah's father was Shlomo Zalman, as I mentioned. His mother was Trena. Uh, there are many descendants alive with that name. And there's a lot of Shlomo Zalman and Leo and Trinas in their family. Grah himself said his own name hinted in the Torah by the words, Evan Shlema. You should put a honest stone's which are weights that you should use. And Evan Shlema is Aleph Beis Nun Shin Lamed Mem Hey. And those words spell out Eliyahu Ben Shlomo. Evan Eliyahu Ben Shlema is Shlomo. It has been explained that the words describe this, the command to be honest and meticulous in weights, testifying to the Gra's integrity. By the way, there's an epitaph on the grave of Rishol Salanter, which is really, really powerful. And it says, MS, truth shall mourn with the passing of this man who took truth with him. He was the last one that has truth. Phenomenal thing about integrity. But Vilnagon was a man of integrity. Groh was married twice. His first wife, Trina, uh, not Trina, sorry, passed away. Her name was actually Kahana of Caden. That was her name, Kahana. We know that she was a daughter of Yudalev of Caden, and she died in 1782. Vilnagon outlived her. And his second wife was Gittel Luntz, and she was a daughter of Mayor Luntz, and she died in 1797, um, which... By the way, I believe, um, yeah, it was the same year, but he died. He died in the same years as her. I don't know who died first. Um, okay. Um, we know that Vilnagon's first wife, Kahana, took care of the family, and the, gr- the girl was eternally grateful to her because she dedicated herself totally to him and his learning. And we know that his second wife, Gittel, was a widow who had children from her first husband, uh, whose name had been Nachman. Uh, sorry, Nachum. We also know that Vilnagon did not have any children from his second wife. They weren't, they weren't able to have children. The Gra's children, his oldest daughter, um, we know that he had a daughter, probably his oldest, who was engaged in 1756. We don't know much about her. There's another daughter whose name is Kahina, and she was from, she mostly lived in Pinsk, and she was born in 1748. We know she was married twice, probably her husband died. She married a Zalman Zelig Chinitz, and when he died, she married a Moshe of Pinsk, which is why she was called Kahina of Prince, we also uh, of, of Pinsk. We also know that they had quite a, a large number of, of children from both marriages. Uh, we know about Pesha Basia is another daughter whose name was probably something along the lines of Pesha Basia, and we know she was married to Tzvi Hirsch Dunchin. We know that the girl had another daughter who was not able to have children. And there's a whole story regarding her, which I'll save for a different time. Um, it's interesting because the Gra actually seems to have tried to help her and wasn't able to, which is also fascinating. Um, Gra had a son who he named after his own father, whose name was Shlomo Zalman. So we know, we, assuming his father died before then, in 1758. Um, he was a scholar, tragically, after having two children um, and, and two daughters, who were two daughters, uh, this son died very young. He had been married to a woman named Rachel, who unfortunately died in childbirth as well. So very tragically, there were Yisomim in the family. Um, and there was some deal made um, between... 
the Vilna Gon and his Mechutanim, Yisrael Kissin, that Yisrael was going to support me on couple at first, and the Grub was going to take over, but it seems that the Vilna Gon was not able to pay for them financially. So here you have a man whose Torah lit up the world, and he lived in abject poverty. Um, and when they both passed away, the Vilna Gon stu- stood up to the plate, and he adopted those two daughters and raised them in his own house and supported them as a fulfillment of his side of the deal. So even though he was struggling financially, phenomenal story, and also a really, really tragic story. Um, probably the most famous child of Vilna Gon was Yehuda Leib, who was married to, uh, to a um, daughter of Ravram of Survey and Esther Jaffe's, uh, Jaffe's daughter. Uh, we know he died in, 18, in 1816. We don't know what his wife's name was. He wrote a number of svarim from the Vilna Gon, from his father. Um, I've mentioned this before, but I'll just say it now, that like after the Grah died, there was actually a harem put out by the Vilna Bezdin that no one was allowed to publish any of his work because people were putting out all types of non-authorized things about him. And it's if you take a look in the Yerushalmi um, of Brachos of the Ozohar print, and it's put out in most Yerushalmis right before the Bir HaGrah, they actually bring down this quote, very fascinating quote, that literally you know they only have these seven things are authorized, and one of them is a Pirish on Yerushalmi, or part of it. Um, and one of them is a uh, on Safford. It's news on Kabbalah. Anyway, Ayn Sham, very, very fascinating. Probably one of the most famous parts about Rav Yudalev is that he had a daughter named Gittel, Gittel um, also, which is similar to the Vildigo's uh, second wife's name. She was born in 1787, although, okay. Um, and she married, uh, th- this is, oh, sorry, this is exactly what I was referring to. She married uh, the famous Yitzhak Danzig, who was the son of the Chayatims. Remember I said they were related? This is how they're related. So the Vilnagon's son, Yehuda Leib, had a daughter named Gittel. So Gittel was the granddaughter of the Gra from Yehuda Leib. Um, she married the Chayatim's uh, son. Chayatim was Ravoram Danzig. It's very easy to remember. Avraham Danzig had a son named Yitzhak Danzig, right? Yitzhak Danzig was born in 1785 in Vilna. Danzig, by the way, Avraham Danzig's wife's name, you want to know what her name is? Guess. Avraham was married to Sarah. Sarah Siegel Hentz. So the Vilnagon's granddaughter, Gittel, was married to the Chayatim's son, Yitzhak Danzig. There you have it. I always forget that. Okay. Um, one of the reasons Chayatim spent so much time defending the opinion of the Grah, they were related. And even wrote that it's a mitzvah um, to you know talk about the words of the Grah. And don't be mavaz of the Grah. I think he doesn't want us to discuss his Torah. Um, okay. So that's what we talked about. Um, it's very, very interesting that um, the Chayatim was really... You know, followed by many, many people. Chayelam has a deep reverence for the Vilna Gon, but sometimes he he disagreed with him, and, and you know he, he was a bar plugta, and he argued based on his Masora from the Nodi Behuda. Chayelam was the Talmud of the Nodi Behuda. Okay, and he was certainly a tremendous leader of his generation, though he was uh, not a rav, which is an interesting thing. The Stechemen has a whole shtickle that some people didn't accept his psak because he wasn't a rav, but he was. He did uh, sit in psak, and the Mishabura often quotes the, the Chayelam. I'd say, from my experience, ninety-five percent of the time he follows it, and the Igris Moshe quotes it, etc. Okay. The girl had another son whose name was Avraham. We know he was born in 1765, and he was married to a Sarah Mindy Lifshitz. Um, they had a daughter named Talba. Um, very interesting names. Okay. Um, some of the girl's own descendants did end up in Eretz Israel, Sfat especially. Many of them ran away from Russia trying to evade military service. One such example was a son of Avraham and Talba named Eliyahu Rasil. So he, he was probably born after the girl died. He was born, yeah, he was born, I'm sorry, he, became, he actually was born in the year the Grah died. He was named after him, 1797. He was a Sheikhate, and he happened to run away from Russia to evade the military service, ended up in Romania. There he gave up his position at Sheikhate because he had a dream which predicted something was about to happen, and um, he was about to put a hechsher on something that he did not feel was kosher. When it actually happened, he actually quit, 
And he ended up moving to Spot in 1836 with his wife and kids. And legend has it that in 1837, there was a big earthquake in Spot that killed out hundreds of people, including, unfortunately, his own wife and many of his children. He himself was saved by the Vilnagon in this legend. Somehow there's some legend that the Groth pulled him out or appeared to him, etc. He was named after him also. We don't know exactly how, whether it was a vision or something, but the Groth seemingly pulled him out of the rubble. Similar story that happened to the uh, Pineo Shua, very interesting. Unfortunately, he ended up dying later on that year. And his two of his own sons went back to Europe because it was such a hard life in Eretz Yisrael. So you see the, the Mesiris Nefesh. I know it's a little bit long, but I think it's just Kedai to um, to hear these things. Uh, just bear with me a couple more minutes. Um, most of my sources for what I've been discussing are from a book called Elio's Branches, The Descendants of the Vilnagon and His Family. It's a 704-page book, by the way, with bibliography information over uh, uh, 20,000 uh, descendants of the Gra and their siblings with thir- uh 3,300 different surnames, 13 generations, 650 uh, citations. It's quite a fascinating book if you're interested in the historical aspects. Anyway, most of most importantly, the Gras' lives and his family were amazing, um, but the greatest family tree that he's left um, is the Sosos of Dovus where he still talks to us in his grave, seeing we saw some Korean Chaim, where he's alive, and that's his Torah. And, of course, we're fascinated by his physical existence, but the truth is that many, many descendants and many Talmudim Right, Moshe Kibbutzor Misina, he's part of that Masora, and people trace themselves back to the Vilnagon. And the Rev um, Ruderman Zatzal of an Arizal used to always say that he's a Musmach, um, you know, Ishmi Ishmi Ish, ten generations back to the Vilnagon, and that's that's amazing. And that goes all the way back to Moshe Rabbeinu, of course. Um, we know that many of the Talmudim, whether Chaim Velazhin or uh, Itzel Velazhin, and the Nitziv. Um, by the way, when it's when when Velazhin had a a fire in the 1800s, and then Siv got a donation from one Gvir in, in America. I don't remember exactly who it was. It was $100 he sent, which was illegal, by the way. But this $100 that he sent built the entire Vlajan Yeshiva. So do the math in the 1800s. I don't know. Let's say it was a $2 million, $3 million building. I'm not sure if that works out mathematically, but that's pretty cool. Um, the second and third generations of the Gra, you know, where Talmud Gra lived in the Europe in the 1900s. Rohana Wasserman was the Talmud of the Chavetz Chaim. So Talmud Gra lived in Europe, and many of these Talmidim learned under the Gra or uh, Rechaim Velashin, and Rochan learned under the Chavetz Chaim, who you know who is Talmidim of Talmidah Gra. Upon Jerov was the Talmud of the Chavetz Chaim. Rochan Wasserman's Talmidim, most famously, were Mendel Kaplan, was a Rebbe in Philadelphia, who was a Rebbe to so many of our Rebbe. Um, and so that's you know a phenomenal thing. Many people learned under Rochan Wasserman. Uh, who was, you know, our, our Rebbe, and uh, we're really, really connected. Many of you know, the Panam Jarov, who was the Talmud of the Chavetz Chaim, also brought the Masorah to Eretz Yisrael. Many of the Rosh Yeshivas, including my own Rebbe, Rosh Yisraeli Rubenstein, learned under the Panam Jarov, and Rechatzka Levenstein. Many of these great Gedolia Dar uh, for Panovich. Roshach himself was the Talmud of the Chavetz Chaim, and Rechaim Moser of Vilna. So the Masorah of that city of Vilna goes back to the Vilna Gon, part of the Moshe Kibbal Torah and Sinai. When we learn the beautiful and brilliant nuggets of wisdom and thoughts and ideas from the Grah, Let's be inspired by the brilliance that the Torah brings. Let's be inspired by the Yerushalayim and the depth of Torah and the beauty of Torah. That was the Gra's mission, to teach people how to be Ovdeh Hashem and to serve Hashem, and to teach us how to be an amazing Ovdeh Hashem. Ravodner points out why Kabbalah is called Chachmas Emes, because Emes is when everything jives. And the Gras, like the Gras says, the Pshat is accurate. It fits into the Sod. And when the Sod is accurate, it fits into the Rebez and the Drush and the Pshat, and everything ties together. Everything is perfect, and that's what we're looking for when we look at Torah. We're trying to study it, and we should understand it as deeply as possible. Should, uh, that way it'll have the biggest impact on our lives. May the words of the Vilna Gon open up our hearts and minds to the beauty of Torah and inspire us to dedicate our lives to the service of Hashem. Thank you so much for joining me. Again, please send me any questions to yosefdropper at gmail.com, and please send me any comments you could text me whatsapp me you could voice message me whatever you like text me 
uh, at 443-929-1801. I'm going to try to do this once a week, hopefully one pasik if we can. And I'm going to try to keep it to about 25 minutes or so. Thank you and have a great day.